0: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. I realize I'm a little behind on podlets. I did promise that they wouldn't be every day, but they've been even less frequent than I thought they might be. But here it is, your Friday Love Tennis podlet, live from New York, from just off Fifth Avenue in a, I was going to say glamorous hotel, but that is not the case. It's fine. It's fine. I'm extremely lucky to be here, which is the most important thing. Uh, I've just got back from a pretty remarkable night at Flushing Meadows. Uh, it's still going on. Uh, Daniil Medvedev is set up on Wu Yi Bing, the Chinese number one I think he will be now, if he's not already. Um, let me just check that. He's the Chinese number two, in fact, because... Of course. Ah, I see Zhang is actually ranked ahead of him, just. Anyway, not important. I mean, important to him. Not important in the grand scheme of things. Anyway, move on, James, you're waffling. Yeah, things are still going on there, but um, it's nearly midnight, and it's just, you can't be there for everything. You can't do it all. It is, you know, it's 13, 14, 15 hours of tennis a day, and you just, uh, yeah, it's quite hard to do it all. Anyway, um, there's a lot to talk about today uh, my day started with Andy Murray versus Matteo Berrettini which on paper was maybe the match of the day um, well obviously the Serena will come on to that but it, 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 it was full of intrigue um, they played a very good match in Stuttgart uh, just before Wimbledon where they played three sets it was the final, Berrettini of course won um Murray picked up that abdominal injury, which has kind of then dominated the next couple of weeks after that. Uh, Berrettini won his second straight title on grass. And then, of course, as Murray said before he played him, he said he's had a pretty unlucky year, you know, because he obviously had wrist surgery um, that made him miss the clay court season. All right, it's not his best surface, but nevertheless. And then, yeah, he got COVID on the eve of Wimbledon when he was the form guy you know i I think almost everyone picked him in in fantasy tennis which caused havoc for me um trying to make give ways give people the opportunity to pick a replacement so yeah he um he has had an unlucky year in some ways he's playing really good tennis and he played really good tennis again against against andy murray who not for the first time and I'm sure Calvin and I will talk about this when we record a podcast tomorrow, not for the first time, Murray was too passive? I don't know. Let me talk about what I saw in the stadium, because Calvin will tell you about the tactical element of it. But what I found from being courtside, you know, from being 30 yards away from him, was he was very flat, and it was kind of the same against Emilio Nava, that for the first, I don't know, hour, hour and a quarter... just always feels like he's not really in it and this is kind of true of murray for lots of his career he's always been someone who isn't very good in the non-crucial moments like he he was always really clutch but he would also get dragged into battles because he wasn't necessarily ruthless in my opinion and I, i think he's just someone who needs you know a bit of adrenaline he needs a bit of righteous anger you know the kind of person he said in his press conference afterwards that he's really enjoying proving all those people who said he couldn't come back and play professional tennis again wrong and that's a really powerful motivational technique you know to feel that you're fighting against someone who has wronged you or who has doubted you and i sometimes feel like when he walks out on court and it's nil nil and the slate is wiped clean um he he just sort of goes, all oh, right, okay, yeah, fine. Yeah, let's try and... You know, and he's all very process-orientated and you know, he's just concentrating on making sure he drinks enough water and gets enough sodium on and this, that and the other. And, yeah, it's it's like, well, he somehow needs something to fire him up. Now, Some it, it, there may be lots of reasons for that. It may be nerves. You know, he, he certainly talked about Nava, where he lost the first set. He said, it took me a while to relax which I thought was interesting and I guess that's always the challenge for a tennis player like it's such an intense thing to do to walk out and play in a Grand Slam match in front of all those people with all this pressure from friends, from family from public, from fans you know, I don't think any of us who haven't played sport to a very, very high level will ever understand the intensity of that those moments and no matter how many times you do it I suppose it's probably incredibly hard and you do need time to relax into it, and you know just to to remind your body what to do and how to do it. And that's what sets apart the very greatest players. They do that quicker. And actually, even these days, Djokovic, Nadal—it's hard to remember what Federer's like so long since he's played properly. But certainly, Djokovic and Nadal are not necessarily fast starters. You know, Nadal's dropped first set in both matches so far. This this tournament. Um, And Djokovic is is very um, open to dropping sets early on in tournaments these days. And I don't know, maybe that's because their level's dropping a bit and the the rest of the world's a bit closer to them and everyone knows their game inside out. But I do think that starting is hard. And, yeah, don't underestimate it um, at all. So, yeah, Murray did take a while to to heat up. And by the time I think he really got going... um, he was already a set and a breakdown. And when you're a set and a breakdown to a guy like Matteo Berrettini, who serves the way he does, and who has that forehand that he does, I think it's incredibly difficult to try and get back it on level terms. He it makes him a brilliant front runner. Tanasi Kokinaki said it about Nick Kyrgios, actually, that he's one of the best front runners in the world after they played in the first round and Yes, I'm sure that's true, but it's also because of the type of player that they are. You know, you get a break point against them and you kind of panic because it's such a rarity. You know you're not going to get another one for a while. Um, and, you know, when they're serving well and there's very little you can do about it, it's all the, the pressure's constantly back on you because, you know, it's you maybe hold to 30 or juice or save a rate point and then two and a half minutes later you're serving again because they've rattled through a game in a minute. And then that that is a very hard dynamic. You don't get any rhythm either. You know, Murray is a bit of a rhythm guy. He likes long rallies and, you know, against Berrettini, you can't always have that. So it, he, he said it was a good matchup for him. And I think he's right. And I think six, seven years ago, um, he would have munched Berrettini because he's a great returner he's a great gritter he's very good at finding the backhand which of course is Berrettini's weakness Um, Simon Briggs of the Telegraph said to me today uh, that he was just thinking of the 2012 US Open when Murray beat Ryanich and he absolutely chopped him up um, and how different this performance was because Ryanich and Berrettini are not dissimilar players um, in terms of what they can do and their strengths and weaknesses um, and Murray has always, to be honest, gone pretty well against um, against those big servers. I say 2012. Milos Raonic is surely not old enough to have played him in 2012. Oh, he totally is. Yeah, I don't know why I doubted Briggsy. He's got a very good memory. Um, six four, six four, six two. That was back in 2012. Um, yeah, so Murray beaten. And he was actually surprisingly upbeat in, in press afterwards. He came in very quickly. You know, what people probably don't know is players, I think, are obliged when they to do a press conference within two hours, maybe, or an hour and a half. But it's a pretty movable feast. And it varies. Some of them like to get it out of the way. Some of them want to go off and have a shower and have a stretch, maybe, or a rub down. And often after defeats, I mean, sometimes they won't do them at all, but often... After defeats, they are in very quickly, and this was certainly the case. Murray turned up, you know, <clears throat> I think it was maybe like... I was—I hadn't even finished my post-match coffee. Uh, maybe like 15, 20 minutes after he finished. And, um, yeah, it was just... It was surprisingly chirpy. I thought that meant... I thought him being in so quickly meant he was going to be absolutely miserable. But, yeah, he said he was proud of the way... He's competing with these guys at the top level. As I say, proving people wrong that, that he couldn't do this. Um, at one point he said, you know, with the situation that I'm in, it's quite good to do this, that and the other. And um, Matt Futterman of the New York Times said, oh, the situation you're in, were you referring to not having a great summer? Or And then Murray just goes sort of deadpan and quite funny. He just said, no, I've got a metal hip. It's not easy playing with that. Um he says, it's really difficult, I'm surprised I'm still able to compete with guys that are right over the top of the game. And he thinks he's making progress, and you know, the fact is that the stats do reflect that. He's up to 40-odd in the world, he, you know, lost in four sets in the third round of Grand Slam, which is better than losing in the second round of a Grand Slam. Um, he is going forwards. But slowly, and he doesn't have a lot of time because of his age, now look he may have 2 mm. or 3, 4 years in him but, as he says he has a metal hip and that's not going to change and yeah, he <sighs> it's a long road back he genuinely thinks he can be world number 1 again which is pretty staggering and one of the reasons he's got Lendl in his camp, quite apart from the the obvious success they had together, is that Lendl doesn't not believe that. And from what I understand, previous, not previous coaches, but I mean, there have been people around who haven't believed him and have worked with him and said, oh, well, look, mate, I think we've got unrealistic goals and so I don't think we can work together. Which is more than more than reasonable. You know, you've got to have the same goals in a team. And if if you don't, then so be it. And I don't think... You would find many people around who in, in tennis, who if you said to them, "When do you think Andy Murray will be world number one again?" Who would give you a date that it wasn't never or you know the eleventh, seventh of November? Um. So, yeah, fair enough. Um, more bad news for Brits today. Jack Draper was going really well. He's playing Karen Hatchin, off off the first set, but then won the second and went three love up and then tweaked a hamstring which he got treatment on he got strapping it was high up where the hamstring meets the groin apparently um and he said it felt it getting worse and it wasn't gonna get better and so he had to retire it, again surprised me impressed he was so level-headed about it he just said yeah you know i've been through injury a lot and i know that there are much worse things in the world. He had a lot of perspective about it. And he said, you know, it's shoulders back, look forward, keep going. I said, incredibly mature for a guy who's 20 and not even finished a full season on tour. So, and he kind of blamed himself. He said, look, I'm not robust enough yet. And, uh, well, I don't know. Injuries do just happen sometimes. But he will, he reckons it'll be two or three weeks. But it means he definitely won't squeeze into the Davis Cup team. Unlikely as that was, anyway. Um, so yeah um, bad for Jack but amazing that he was so kind of calm about it so good for him um, what else do we have today I'm sort of putting off talking about Serena but I don't know how much longer I can do it it's so fresh in my mind and it, it was one of the most amazing evenings of tennis um, once again they they sent Isla Tomjanovic out on court and then played the same Queen Latifah montage that We've all watched twice already this week, so she sat there for a couple of minutes and um, twiddled her thumbs. And then Serena came out. Of course it was just rapturous. I mean, for some people this is a religious experience, going to watch Serena Williams. And I'm not exaggerating. I mean, there was a woman three rows in front of me who by the end was just sobbing. I mean, wailing. Wailing. With tears and emotion, and there were lots of people I mean one of my colleagues cried, "I won't out them, but it was an emotional evening and um yeah it was it was pretty pretty amazing really um I think overall the crowd which is my main complaint about the contivate match was that the crowd were unfair on her and I don't know, it felt a little bit better tonight. Tom Yanovich has a more kind of American fan base. She, I heard someone the other day say she's to all intents and purposes American. Um, you know, she's probably a bit more close, she's certainly more closely aligned to America than Annette Contelite is. Um, Date, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, that seems reasonable. She lives in Florida, she's based there. Um, and so, yeah, she has a sort of Decent number of American fans, you would think. Um, and she played really well, and her shots that she played got a sort of round of applause. Whereas you know, Serena would, I don't know, frame a winner, and everyone went mental. That's just kind of, it's kind of par for the course. I would suggest. Um, did Serena get nervous? Someone asked me this. I think she probably did. Uh, she said she's been playing you know, with nothing to lose and everything to gain but you, if you don't get nervous in that situation I think you're human people might tell me Serena is superhuman and she is but I, I think there were some nerves there um, she got the early break she then lost the early break first two games both serves were broken and then actually it was kind of serve dominated and out of nowhere Serena then broke Tom Lanovic at at 3-4 to love And all of a sudden she's serving for the set. And she couldn't serve it out. Um, She served for the first and the second set. 5-3 both times, coincidentally. And both occasions, she was broken. Um, I think Tom Jalovic should should take a lot of credit for that. She jumped all over second serve. Really put pressure on Sarita's second serve. um, Which has looked a bit flawed this week. She hit seven double faults in total. And Tomjanovich was was really getting inside the baseline and giving her a lot of problems in uh, in that area. And you know she made it physical. She she did what she had to do, which was try and create as many long points as she possibly could. And yeah, she she did a great job of that. Um, she's a great tennis player. She's good to watch. She, she, some of the baseline winners she hit were really amazing. And. Yeah, I would watch that match many, many times. Um, and yeah, the the final game, Serena saved five match points. And she was just doing what I think of as the signature Serena shot, which is the return of serve from six feet inside the baseline, you know, almost jumping often, down the line winner. And, you know, she said, well, I'm not going down without a fight. And she really did fight. Um, but it wasn't enough. You know, she's 40. And I think she looked really knackered uh, at stages in that third set. She was blowing really hard. And, uh, yeah, I think that probably caught up with her to an extent. She said she felt that she was playing her um, playing her way into the tournament. You know, she was asked afterwards whether there was any wiggle room in uh, in her retirement. And she said... She effectively said, probably not, but also, you never know, that that favourite line of footballers, you never know, will you ever play for Man United? Well, you know, I'm a Man City player now, but you never know, and uh, yeah, it's. (laughs) she said, I'm literally playing my way into this and getting better, I should have started sooner this year, I don't think so, you know, I don't think I'll reconsider my retirement, but you never know, I don't know. Um, she was very emotional afterwards, she thanked her parents, um, her dad wasn't able to be there because he's not very well, her mum, Orosine, was there and had a few little power naps during the match, but um, she's seen it all before, clearly. Uh, she said, I think the nicest line for me was, I wouldn't be Serena if there wasn't Venus. She's the only reason that Serena v- Williams ever existed. And that was that was nice. Um, yeah, it was an emotional night for lots of people. Not necessarily me. I was absolutely sweating, copy, trying to get things over the line. But yeah, it was it was a pretty amazing night, and I was delighted to say that I was there. Um, even if I was off in the nosebleeds, you know, with twenty five thousand other people, it was pretty cool. Um, are there any other results or stories? That I want to mention to you. Coco Goff smash Madison Keyes six two six three. Madison Keyes is in great form. That tells you all you need to know about Coco Goff at the moment. Um, watch out for Lyudmila Samsonova. The Russian is on a 12 match winning streak now. she be Alexander Krunich to go through the fourth round. She will face Tomjanovic. Um, and also keep an eye on Caroline Garcia, the French woman who beat Andrescu in straight sets tonight. She. Obviously, beat Ammara at Wimbledon. She's a big server. She is in the best form of her life, and is someone who I think could maybe be one of those weird slam winners. Um, she will play Alison Risk Armitage. Uh, excuse me, Armitage uh, in the fourth round, and then the winner of Zhang, Goff, which would be a pretty sturdy test. So maybe that's where it ends but um, yeah someone to keep an eye on I think Uh, there's also a few interesting results in the men's Kasper Rude went five sets with Tommy Paul but he did eventually win Um, Alejandro Davidech Fakina won in four sets which is pretty surprising given he almost always goes to five it seems and at the end he had an argument with Daniel Gallan, Daniel Alahi Gallan, at the net because uh, Gallan is one of those players who likes to get the ball back when he's hit an ace, he wants to use the same ball again, uh, which is actually quite annoying if you're playing against it. And once Fakina said, "Ah, don't give it to him, don't give it to him," uh, sort of as a joke, and he laughed, and Daniel laughed. Apparently, this is all Fakina's version of events because he won, and uh, history is written by the winners. <laughs> um, and then the second time, there was a bit of sense of humor failure, and they had a hearty exchange of views at the net um but anyway that's that's just what happens sometimes and no one's gonna get no no one died in the words of alan partridge um nick kyrgios went through tonight as well uh didn't as far as i know complain about anyone smoking any weed which is what happened earlier in the week he said he could smell weed at um flushing meadows and he's probably right because the whole of queen smells of weed so <laughs> I, i'm sure he did uh, but yeah, he he beat JJ Wolf, the man who looks like he's from the '80s with a tank top and a mullet. Um, it was very comfortable, really. Six four, six two, six three. It only lasted an hour and fifty six minutes, I think. Um, how many aces did Kyrios hit? I hear you ask. Twenty one is the answer, which is pretty decent. Uh, he was unbroken throughout the match. Zero from seven. JJ Wolf was on break points. So, yeah, Kyrgios in kind of ominous form again. It, it does now feel like he's just a guy who makes his way through draws at Grand Slams so we don't have to talk about him too much, but he will probably play, I say probably because Daniil Medvedev is currently still playing Wu, but he is a set and two rakes up, so he will probably play Daniil Medvedev in a really intriguing fourth-round match on Sunday. Um, yeah, which could, could be pretty fascinating, actually. Uh, the other confirmed fourth round ties are Pablo Correña Busta against Karen Hatchinoff. Uh, Booster beat Alex de Menor. Uh, Fokina against Matteo Berettini. Mutet, Quarantin Mutet, the lucky loser, uh, is through to the fourth round. Incredibly. Uh, he incidentally lost in qualifying to Wu Yi Bing, who's also through. And then replaced Pablo Andujar, I believe. Oh, no, he didn't. Hugo Delian. There you go. As a lucky loser. And he then beat Stan Wawrinka after Wawrinka got injured in the first round. He then picked up a very good winner, Bottic van der Zanschlup. And then Pedro Cashin, who did not cashin on his opportunity to reach the fourth round. Apologies for that joke. I thought it was quite good. And, uh, yeah, Moutet into the into the fourth round. Could play, well, will play, in fact. Kasparu, which is a pretty stiff test, but, um, yeah... He's not always the most popular guy on tour, Corentin Mute. He is pretty larry, for want of a better phrase. Um, that's all from me tonight. You'll get some of me and Calvin looking forward a bit more um, tomorrow. So it'll probably be in your feeds Saturday night. So if you're having a night in, listen to me and Calvin. And, uh, yeah, keep coming back.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network. 18 plus.